Tom Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm, Million Dollar Agent. How are you guys? Hey, Tom. Welcome back, hey, everybody. Yeah, good to hey. be here. Good to be here. Guys, we've had two long podcasts over the last fortnight, and today mm. we're going to, you know, someone said to me the other day, actually, Nick Heaton said it to me, who's obviously a guy that we spoke about two weeks ago. Mm. He said, mm. Tom, scripts are basically the truth told efficiently. That's all they are. And um, I like that. we're going we're, we're gonna to try and deliver a very efficient podcast in 10 minutes. Um, for once. Yes, for <laughs> once. Um, Jay, J- before, before we start, I just want to make a mention because it came to me yesterday. Tom, if I could, you know, we, were talk, we, we talk a lot about health on this program, which I think is totally relevant because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing in our lives, I would hope, because yeah. without help, you've got nothing. You know, you can't look after loved ones if you're if you're not well yourself. And it was interesting. I was doing some reading to her about morning routines and successful people. And one of them, she was saying that um, she drinks like four glasses of water upon rising, which I thought okay, that sounds pretty good. So I did some investigation. I read the interview in more detail. And and it was a great question. And you know, sales and life is about asking better questions. And and the question was: Imagine if I said to you right now, you can't drink anything for the next eight hours, how do you think you'd feel at the end of it? And I thought, well, bloody thirsty was my answer. And they said, well, that's what happens to you every single night. When you go to bed, there's kind of usually eight or ten hours between the last time you drink any liquid and the next time. And and it said, you know, you really need to catch up for that. And I just thought, wow, that's, that's a really good insight. Yeah. And the next thing they said is, if you're thirsty, it's too late. The damage has been done. So once you're thirsty, it's a point where your body is really going into overwhelm and it's struggling. So you should never get to a point where you're thirsty. So just a little health tip for our listeners because we do care for your health above everything else. We you know, we love you to be successful, but more important than successful is having great health. And uh, so hopefully that, you know, what do you do about that, Troy? Three or four glasses of water upon rising would be a good uh, recommendation. As what do you do, you Troy? Get up. Uh, yeah, I normally do a tea or water as soon as I get up. Uh, we've got to upgrade that. We've got to make four, more, four more water, more glasses. To... She was talking about, Tom, she was talking about four glasses of water. That's, that's pretty serious intake. But, yeah. you know, I guess when you think about it, your body hasn't had any fluids and hydration for eight or ten John, hours. do you so like the taste of water? Love it. It's almost all I drink, really. I drink water, fresh juice, and, and one or two coffees a day. Um, but I just I don't like the taste of soft drinks and all those other things. So I just it's, I, it's my favorite drink. I, um, on the flight back from uh, the Gary V interview a couple of weeks ago, um, the flight attendant um, said to me, um, uh, Sir, can I give you uh, a, a big tip? I said, What's that? She said, I'm going to bring over four bottles of water, and what you should be doing, even though you won't feel like it, you should be drinking those every 90 minutes because. Um, on a on a flight, even though you're not sweating, you're actually getting very dehydrated. And she actually said that 80% of the reasons that people feel tired and lethargic is they're just dehydrated. That's all it is. Jet lag, yeah. 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 Interesting. Well, we've probably used up about 12, 12 minutes in our opening statement. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, over to you now, Tom. I think you're going to tell us, didn't you do a bit of a research study on what are the commonalities amongst so I said, in your yeah, so what I do is when I do these uh, interviews on Real Estate Gym, I also um, take some notes down of stuff that, you know, hasn't been recorded in the interview. And I gave it to Susan that 
um, does a lot of the back end there. And I said, Susan, come up with 10 things that come up in these interviews as real common things that we see in different guys or girls from Australia and New Zealand. So mm -hmm. I thought we'd use this podcast just to give you the results of um, um, so what, what, what were they? Okay, one of them was that they did seem to work long and hard hours. They did? They did, yes. Okay, so hard work was is a foundation. Yes. The next one um, is that they do um, really concerted activity around just listed, just sold, and increasingly at the moment, not just around theirs, but their competitors as well. Right. So they're very active when, it, when anything happens, because, of course, we've seen the phenomenon time and time again, Troy, where a property sells in a street and nothing's sold in the street for 12 months and three neighbours go on the market. Oh, yeah. um, well, I think, I think the addition of that is that it actually gives you a reason to have quality conversations. And we know that a lot of real estate agents around Australia now that have got good teams are on their phones to their database the minute a sold-by sticker goes up to actually tell people in the street what it has sold for and to get the opportunity yeah. to give a new valuation or a new appraisal on a vendor's house. So there was that. Uh, the I other just a, it, I'm sure it'll be obvious to our listeners, Tom and Troy, because we've got great listeners, but just a caveat, make sure when you have a conversation with a street or a neighbour and it's a property that you haven't sold, there's no confusion that this yeah. is not a property you sold. Because I know some agents, they kind of say, oh, well, you know, we're, we're very excited with what happened. There was a sale just next door, and it went, and they almost try and make it look and feel as though it was one of theirs. So I think it's just very important yeah. um, from a transparency point of view that, you know, no one ever says anything that might uh, have someone believe it was their sale. Yeah. Um, other ones that were common was their ability, and I know that, John, you've actually said on a previous podcast three weeks ago that you actually thought it was the number one uh, thing that came up um, when you looked at your top people over the last 30 years of real estate. It was the ability not to personalise rejection, you know. It seems to be one that just keeps coming up. So obviously, rejection is part of a game that you must play to win in real estate. Yes. Well, I mean, it's easy because, you know, in, in, right through our lives, rejection often has a pain attached to it. You know, you're, someone rejects you, ask them to the school dance, and then you go for a job and you lose the job interview and all those sort of things. They often, when someone says no and rejects your proposition, it, it can have, you know, a little bit of a sting attached to it. But I think it's very important that, you know, in this day and age, you realise that injection, uh, sorry, rejection is going to be commonplace if you're going to build a big business. Was did, next yeah. We did a podcast a little, a couple, little uh, three or four weeks ago about how to deal with, well, how do you bounce back? Um, yeah. So if you want to go and replay that, it was like 34 minutes, but it was quite a long episode, but it was quite good because it, it talks a lot about dealing with rejection and how to get back on top and get back focused on what you need to achieve. Yeah, yeah. and just reframe. I heard a great quote the other day from Nelson Mandela, and he said, I never lose, I win or I learn. Thought, yeah, oh, wow. such yeah. a simple one, but what a great, what yeah. a great framing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that actually leads to um, to the next one, John, which is that they had this ability to replace the concept of a bad day with a day of data or information. That um, what they need to do is, you know, change or alter their direction or or um, just improve what they were doing. So they just believe that. Um, um, uh, it was a process. This, this this one was really interesting, is that 
they weren't as goal-directed as I would have thought. And a lot of them actually indicate that they're just sort of really in love with just doing good work and that um, things seem to happen. And um, I think there's sometimes, um, John and Troy, there's a confusion that a lot of the times when you're, when you're too attached to getting a goal, you actually are not attached to actually focus on doing the process and doing the job. And what I notice about really good guys and girls is they love doing a great, love, love being a great agent, love doing good stuff. Um, yeah. And they're not thinking to themselves, oh, I don't want to do this, but it actually eats my, eats, meets my end goal, you know? Yeah. Well, that's really about detaching yourself from the outcome, Tommy, isn't it? And just focusing on the stuff you can control, which is the input. Correct. Um, well, and the last anything one... else? Yep. Yes, the last one was um, that they were very marketing-oriented business models, that um, they seemed to have really good marketing, and that marketing um, promoted properties, um, but it also, as a byproduct, seemed to give them a lot of profile in the marketplace. And I think it's that attraction business model that you can't help it, but... Um, a lot of the really great agents in Australia and New Zealand have already been shortlisted a long time before the actual listing presentation. Yeah, yeah, no, one hundred percent agree. Is is that a list that perhaps Judith or Susan could publish to you? Yeah, well, what I'll do is um, I will uh, put these up. I'll put down two thousand and sixteen interview quality results, and I'll put them. Um, I'll get Susan or Judith to put them up on um, on my website at tompanos.com.au. Um, gang, we're going to be together um, with our listeners, hopefully a lot of our listeners um, that are going to be coming to uh, ARIC. Um, so, uh, guys, I'm looking forward to it. Um, There's still tickets Troy, available, yeah? Y- yes, there is. To the biggest ARIC ever, 20, 20 years ago. It was 20 years. John, do you remember, where was ARIC the first year ever? I'm going to say it was at the, it was in Sydney. And it was at the Shangri-La Hotel, I think, just up near Circular Quay, um, down in a, in a little kind of subterranean ballroom, which had very few people attended. We're literally we're talking about a couple of hundred people, and now we're looking at 4,000 people. So it's come a long way. So 200 people 20 years ago at the Shangri-La. Mm-hmm. Two-day event? Was it a two-day event? I, I, from recollection, yeah, I think it was. What were you doing 10, 20 years ago, Tom? He used to be in high school, was he? No, I wasn't in high school. Uh, 20 years ago, um, I'm trying to remember, John, whether I attended um, um, uh, that ARIC event. Um, I, I know you came to one of the very early ones. I'm not sure if it was the first one. Yeah, I thought I thought a lot of the early ones that I was coming to were uh, around the convention centre. Um, that was my first yep. convention centre. That was my first one. Like the first and I think James Tossavan and Ricky Rushton Troy might have been to everyone. Yeah, I think. they have. Yeah, yep. Amazing, that amazing. Well, I'm, I've got to tell you guys, I am so, so pumped. I look, I'm, I'm pumped for, look, last, you know, a lot of our listeners know, uh, last, Eric, um, though I loved the conference, the day after I was back at uh, RPA Hospital That's back right. into to treatment. And, gang, I can't tell you how good it feels Going to Eric, having a clean bill of health, you know, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just pumped, you know, and then, you know, um, the highest form of wealth is health. And, and I know that we started talking about, uh, um, um, health, um, on this podcast, 
Um, John, I know that you know, um, you know you're obsessed with it. Um, I mean, I know Troy that you're a very healthy living. Troy, you doing? You playing any touch footy at the moment? Uh, no, I've taken a break. I've taken a bit of a break. I should be, but I'm not. There's uh, there's no competitions coming up, so I've kind of taken a little bit of time off. Okay. I've started running. Okay. I've started... 25 years, Troy. <laughs> no, I've started running. I've started becoming obsessed with running. So I've, uh, I've been pounding the pavement around the streets of uh, Woolloomooloo and in Melbourne when I'm down there a couple of days a week. It's great. And talking of football, Tom, your Tigers have shown a significant improvement since their new coaches arrived, I suspect. <laughs> well, uh, let's finish on that point because it's amazing what a person can uh, uh, do to a team. Um, I actually rate Ivan Cleary. I think he's uh, a top operator. I think he did amazing things at Penrith. And, um, um, the, and, players, the, Warriors. and the Warriors. And the Warriors, correct. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, his son plays for uh, Penrith. Um, and uh, I actually uh, can't help but when I read the comments that the Tigers players say that the thing that he does is he just makes people feel... Uh, uh, comfortable and brings calmness into um, into the squad. So um, I'm not going to say that we're going to be in the grand final, but um, I, I'm tipping that the Tigers might make the eight. Yeah, Tom, Good honestly, we're with, um, cheering for you. Yeah, with with Ivan, he was at the Roosters when I was there playing, and uh, what you hear is exactly that. He makes you feel very. Uh, safe. Uh, he makes you feel, uh, and he enables your ability to come through. He's not one of those dictating coaches that we sometimes see and expect from the NRL. He's uh, he's very much a thinker, uh, and I think that was the way he played as well. Uh, anyone that remembers Ivan yeah. when he played, so uh, I think it's a massive win for the Tigers to get someone of his calibre uh, on your coaching panel and staff. It's huge. Mm-hmm. We will see. Well, we look forward to seeing everyone or speaking to everyone next week. Okay, thank you to realestate.com.au, our sponsors there. And um, guys, I talk to you both next week. See you guys. Bye.